Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you to Escape Space Games for sponsoring this season of Average Folks. Enjoy the show. Agnes is alone in Lyoth Hall. She practically has it all to herself. And, of course, she always loved the notion of it being just like this. Her with all the obligations, all the space, all the titles, but even imagining now, it feels empty. Emptied out, and so does she. She does some housekeeping tasks. She vacuums, even though they have folks hired to do this. She polishes some smudges on the windows. She even scrubs the library doors a little bit. She waters the newer family fern bush. And she does this, alone, for some time. A familiar face enters the hall now. Moving quickly, Aura grinding against Agnes's molasses-like pace. Agnes! Hey, Willow. It's, uh... Wow. It's quiet. Yeah. Uh, is Dune here? Uh, no. <laughs> no one is, to just save you some time. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, thanks anyways. Yeah, no problem. Joan and Willow pace about the main hall, and Agnes drifts away to resort some papers on the information desk. Joan watches Agnes still as Willow gets caught up in plotting their journey. Well, Dune's not at work or here, so maybe we circle back to him. She seems sad. Who, Agnes? Yeah. And it occurs to Willow that they haven't really talked to Agnes, now have they? Hey, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fine without Rourke. Will everyone please stop? No, no, sorry. I, I wasn't referring to... Rourke? What about Rourke? Oh, <laughs> Uh... It occurs to Agnes that Willow does not know about her and Rourke, 
which means Rourke has not mentioned her once in a year. And Agnes honestly feels kind of great about that. Oh. I'm... tired. <sighs> yeah? Yeah. And I miss fun. <laughs> OMGT. Agnes? The answer has been right in front of my eyes this whole time. Would you like to join our CNC party? Dude, I have never played, like, once. That's chill. You can be our scholar. I mean, technically, Anastice is, but they're multi-classing, so that doesn't even really count. You'd be perfect. Anastice? Dune. Oh, so we get new names. Agnes. You get a whole new entity. Uh, with powers. Dude, that sounds pretty escapist. I'm so in. Yes! Nice. Where? Uh, my apartment. Oh, also known as Agnes's old apartment. Oh. Do you need the address? Uh. I'm guessing not. You're, you're friends with Tara, right? Y- yeah. So you've probably been there. Oh, I've been there. Great. <laughs> Seven? Uh, yeah. Yes. Ellie Lyeth pulls into the red grass by the remains of the Chapel of Living Things. It is looking much neater than it did. Debris has been shifted out. Some replanting is in the works, but the ground is just black. Ellie still takes off her shoes. Come along, Ani. If you want. I want you to feel safe. Onyx appears to make a decision and touches their bare foot or hoof or appendage to the ground. And nothing happens. Nothing happens at all. Onyx steps their other foot down, testing the waters by putting their full weight. Aw, see? Not all bad. She stares at the ruins in front of her. But like, pretty bad. The groundskeeper has been working. They hold a large branch now and set it down upon seeing Ellie. Just Ellie. Thank you. So many have offered, even unmasked, to help with the debris. Yeah, I'm happy to help however I can. I cannot even complain about how we are suddenly down a caretaker. There is nothing to take care of. Sure there is. It'll just take time. Hmm. Yes. I suppose. I must run an errand. Find some more trash bags. I will be back soon. If you would like to continue raking the ground in my absence? Of course. And Ellie takes the rake. Ellie begins to rake while Onyx watches her do this. Peaceful. Complacent. Until they both recognize this. The same clicking from that year ago in her house. The same clicking that had almost taken Mikey that had chased her family down. Ellie looks up, loosening her grip, and Onyx sees the orange floor, wearing a saddle and a blanket underneath, approaching from a patch of redwoods to the left of the charred remains. And Ellie sees... Whoa! A seemingly floating volunteer, straddling some imaginary tall, tall horse. There you go. Good job today, Orville. Ellie shrinks away from the approaching thing, and oh, does Onyx see this. They put themselves between the incomer and Ellie. You again! Stay away! No, no, Onyx, it's fine. I'll keep a safe distance. The volunteer, startled by the familiarity of the voices below, looks to find his sister and the blue lore of Lyophal. Ellie shyly waves. Hi, sorry, I'm not staring. I just... you're floating. To me, anyways. That's awesome. Well, you have one too. That's awesome. Yeah, this is Onyx. They're super sweet, don't worry. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, uh, what are they 
are you doing here? Turning over some soil so it can begin to grow again. That's all. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. This volunteer slides off the orange lore, which walks forward still towards Ellie. Keep away. You scare her? Oh, Ani, it's okay. But oh, it does come closer now. It seems to sense Ellie's fear and is puzzled by it. And Ellie shrinks further away. Oh, it's okay. They're super nice. This is Orville. And Onyx begins to stalk towards Orville, helplessly locked in the corner of the charred debris where some greenery still resides. Why are you here? They help us. No. Feeling cornered and frantic, Orville raises an appendage, a sharp point, and offers a warning stab. And oh, Onyx does not like that. No! That was not safe of you! And Onyx takes one of Orville's legs in their hands. No! Those are friends! No! For we are friends. Onyx lifts one of its blue, blue appendages and static accumulates at the fingertips and tugs. Orville, stop it! Stop! Onyx! Onyx holds one appendage of the orange lore now and casts the rest of Orville aside. No! Dune rips a low-hanging branch from one of the nearby trees and drives it into Onyx's back. No! Color, life, ripples through the branch. Onyx's blue hue flickers sporadically and then like a broken light switch. (laughs) Stop hurting them! Onyx, in retaliation, without a thought, bats at the masked face, shattering the mask. Dune, out in the open, barefaced, is thrust into the ground. A cut on his nose from the splintered wood oozes as he looks up, terrified at Onyx. And oh, Dune is Dune again, and oh, Ellie looks on in horror alongside her blue friend, who touches one appendage the place Dune had accosted them, and... Hollow, blazing eyes of light pierce steady beams from the ground up into his eyes again. Terrified for... Dune, why, friend? Fuck, fuck! Yes, just... Onyx, leave them alone. Leave them all alone, or I'll... Dune, stop! They just tried... Why, friend? Why, friend? Here, let me help, Ani. It's okay. Onyx gestures to the orange lore that had just been tossed. Orville scuttles weakly and has yet to run. For Orville sees Dune, their volunteer, in pain and compromise, and there's a softness to them, even in this pain of a missing... Is it because of them? Onyx, it's okay. I still love you. But you love them also? It is because of them. Everyone, it's not gonna run out if we also... No, stop, because it's us. For Logan loves you more than he loves me. What do you mean, Ani? You are leaving, and he is leaving too! And Orville stands on four legs, wobbly, and begins to charge towards Onyx. Orville, back down! And in retaliation and defense, it seems, Onyx takes the other end of this branch lodged in their form. They wince, color flickering and vibrating until they are stabilizing. As if fueled by pure rage or adrenaline or something, they yank it out of their blue leg and shove it into Orville's abdomen. Color flushes into the earth, vitalizing the charred soil. Orville! Orville turns gray and drops. What the fuck? You're a monster! No! And Onyx chucks the stick at Dune's feet. It splinters. Hints of wood shower over his bare feet. And gasping, he shuffles away and furiously bats the shards off. Oh! No! Does that hurt you? They pick up and throw another branch. This one with more redwood leaves still attached. Color spasmodically shifting but powering through the pain, aiming at his shoulder, it glances off. Onyx, stop, please. Oh, my friend. Friend does not like friends. Honey, don't. He hurt me, and he will hurt you. He will not. I would never. They raise the radio from their neck and aim for Dune's head. Honey, 
Don't you dare! And Onyx pauses. They look at Ellie now, radio lifted high. And why not? What will you do? I wouldn't hurt you. Not ever. That is more than him. And in this moment of distraction, Dune runs. He sprints out of the ruins of the Chapel of Living Things, tracking some fresh blood on the ashes of the ground, ripping the bulky volunteer robes off, and chucking them behind as he books it for the safety of Middletown. Dune! Onyx walks, oddly fast, along the road, and Onyx walks now. They follow the quickly fading form of their friend. Oni! Friend, come here! And they are frustrated that they do not listen to their words. Dune disappears into a mix of buildings. Onyx carefully dodges grass squares, raindrops sizzle on their form and evaporate. Onyx approaches the buildings now, walking in shadows now. They see a figure around the corner, but they turn and it is an unfamiliar face. Onyx does not see those very much and oh, this face is long and hairy and it stares directly through them. Onyx staggers away right through another unfamiliarity, but ah. They see a folk in a simple garb, a mask, bare feet, tall. Third time is the charm, Ani. This folk seems to be in a hurry to get somewhere. They walk speedily towards the massive temple structure in the center of the cobblestone square, and Onyx follows. Volunteers, old and new, thank you for coming tonight for our cleansing ceremony. The priestess stands at the forefront of the temple's meeting place, surrounded with 20, 30 folks, all clad in the same-ish thing. And this folk that Onyx had followed looks to the opening of the temple, just throwing a glance and sees blue. Friend, I'm sorry. They shake their head, feared but listening. They hear them, but they turn their face away towards the others, looking for, what, validation? The giraffe mask does not stop speaking. Only friends can hear Onyx. Why are they pretending like Onyx is not here? Look at me! They do not, but others start turning heads. The radio starts to overpower whatever else is happening in the room. Friend! and the movement stops. Folks now see, if they do not see Onyx, a radio floating towards this one volunteer. Volunteer, what is this? This folk scrambles against the wall, but to no use as Onyx rips the mask from their face. Long brunette hair, a nose that is not familiar. No, friend? Can someone, is this from living things? They are gone, give me my friends. Volunteers, you may exit the temple in an orderly manner. No, friend, friend. Onyx casts this mask in their palm aside and tries again, and again, and again, as folks begin running away from this ghostish encounter, barreling towards them in confusion and disarray, while the priestess. The priestess looks on from the podium in shock, not comprehending, but envisioning which of those sculptures this is. Friend! Friend! And they are throwing divine obscurances across the room as they plow their way to the pulpit. Hey, Ovia. Yeah? Time to run. Yes. And she does. Seeing a clear path out of the front door of the temple of the priestess, Ovia runs. Whistling wind rips through her mask and into her ears as she stomps in the puddles. The sleeves maintaining her hair slips, and fresh rain drenches the divot between the fabric and the giraffe. She bolts for the alleyway behind the abandoned mill house across the street, panting less and less each day that she must do this. Come back to me. Closer, closer. Ovia is in the center of the square now. She is surrounded by folks milling about their weekend without a care in the world, and they all look to her expectantly. When the priestess Ah. presents herself, you listen. Friend, please, please, please. 
right in her ear. And the folks of Middletown hear Onyx cry this out now, stopping all dead in their tracks. Said with such conviction that even Ovia does for just a moment. And in a choice. The splittest of decisions, Ovia takes this obscurance, this oversized fucking giraffe's mask, and lifts. The priestess of Valis feels warm, spicy static on her cheeks. Her breathing is frail and afraid, afraid, and... Oh, no. No, not what I thought. No. Ovia can do nothing. Not a single thing except stand there in front of all of these folks. The ones who haven't left running or screaming. The ones who are nosy enough, desperate enough, shitty enough to stay and watch the unveiling of their priestess. She lifts no finger to stay this invisible being's hand as her hair bursts out of the mask in a lavender fluff. As her delicate chin protrudes from the bottom, her chopped lips, her angled nose, and then her eyes. Olvia stares into nothing. Onyx walks away, down the cobblestone street. And Ovia stands before the folks of Valis. Some watch the radio float away. Some watch something blue. Some nothing at all except their priestess's face. And no one looks away funny enough. No one bats an eye now simply because she's no longer the priestess of Valis. No, they see her face, so she is done. The priestess is gone. And now everyone can be as nosy as they like. Some of them know Ovia. Some of them judge her. And now... All of them know that she has just given something very big up. And Ovia begins to laugh. <laughs> oh, she is cackling now. No one laughs with her, and this just makes the joke funnier. Fuck yeah! Tara returns to Valis and her office, promptly to find Dylan hunched over her emergency radio. Hey, what's going on? Oh! Oh, she's here. Could you repeat that? Providence, uh, look, uh, there's been another incident with Code Green, I think. Uh, one of the orange guys were taken down. We have Ellie Lyoth safe here, but no sights on Dune Lyoth. What? You left out that part? What? Dune? It was in a volunteer's attire. And this is simply for private record, and under law we are able to share the identity of a volunteer in the instance of a missing folks case. Dune's missing? OMGT, OMGT, I... uh... Shit, I... I don't even know what to do. Dylan is already up. He's already packing his work backpack with water. You should go to the living things. Check on Ellie. Yes, yeah, but Dune? I know, Dune. I know where I can find him. Are you sure? I'm your prophetic personal assistant, so let me assist. And I know him. And I have to look. I have to know he's okay. I have to. Where would you even start? Dune likes holy places. They make him feel safe. His favorite one burned down. He doesn't like Temple of the Priestess, so I'm going to disburden. He's there. I know it. Tara, tired, confused, meets her PPA's iron-set gaze, and she nods, convinced. Take a radio with you. Prophetess, please advise. We need to make an emergency broadcast. We can't have more folks getting hurt. A public broadcast? Folks have already been experiencing them. I don't want them to be held in the dark anymore. And we can't have more folks going missing. This sounds like it's finally snapped. I will draft something up and send it over. Out. Okay. I'm going to living things. Again. Ugh. Still dressed for morning, rain cloakless, Tara runs out of her office, prophetic staff in one hand. The other raises to flag down a taxi. 
Dylan takes a turn the opposite direction. He fades in the back window of the taxi now. And back in Tara's office, the office door opens and Sage exits with another inquirer. They wave goodbye and find the lobby empty. Huh. I thought I heard Tara and Dylan. Weird. Emergency broadcast. Hello, this is Guardian Friedman of the Guardianship. We have reason to believe there is an unidentified animal that has been causing recent tragic events in territory. Descriptor. It is bright green, bulbous, around seven feet tall. If you see it, light a flare of any color immediately. This animal is untamed. Ellie sits on a trunk at Living Things, surrounded by guardians patrolling the area now. One speaks to her, or attempts to, while she stares lifelessly to the burnt forest floor. So the green lore killed this one here. They point with a pen towards nothing to Ellie. And no, then attack no, your brother. I'm telling you, it wasn't the green one. You're freaking everyone out and wasting their time. A taxi pulls into the grass, and Tara, prophetess, tumbles out her staff getting caught in the roof compartment a bit. She wrestles it out and hones in on Ellie. They run and they embrace. Tara! Ellie, thank they. What happened? Ellie recounts the events. You're sure it was Onyx? Yes! But this doesn't make any sense. They would never... And Tara thinks back to some letters. Letters she's been reading this whole time. Letters that have spoken of the blue lore and nothing else. Nothing else at all. Oh no. No, no! What? Ellie, you need to stay here with the Guardians until it's safe, okay? Don't go back home until they tell you. Why? What's going on? I got it wrong. I got it very, very wrong. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the Magic Garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in Cell Block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's get back to it. Dune Lyeth sits atop one of the taller hills in Vallis. The concrete walls of the sanctuary of Disburden echo in the sound of rain. This cankerous music sweeps in and through the structure and swallows Dune's thoughts, so that all of the things he feels are now dull whispers lost to the wind. He presses a torn rag from the bottom of his shirt to his gashed face, still trickling red. Stinging. Oh, burning. As if Onyx's electricity had stayed within his cheek. No, no, please! And Dylan stands behind Dune, surrounded by the flowering rose of Disburden. He's holding a radio, which he promptly puts away in his backpack. Dune! I knew it. Oh, I knew it. Dylan! What are you doing up here? It's not safe. We're surrounded by nature. We're safe. Dune, we're safe. How did you find me? Onyx can't get up here. I know you like this place, and that you spiral and contemplate death when things even inconvenience you. And after all that's happened today, well, I knew you'd be somewhere that encapsulates the drama. Can't help that I'm iconic. Can I join you? I mean, you walked up the entire hill, so, yeah. Oh, I took a golf cart. They have those? Yeah. What? Are those new? I don't know. I haven't heard about those before. That would have been very helpful. Ah, well, I knew about it. Ah, okay. I heard Logan left this morning? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. This is good for him. How are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah, how are you dooning? How the fuck do you think I'm dooning? Sorry. Don't be. I'm listening, Dune. I'm listening. I feel hollow. And it's not just because of the dad thing. Or the manhunting thing. It's, it's everything, man. I feel so hollowed out and empty inside. Like I'm this carcass, this, this vessel that isn't full. My soul is flying half-mast, but it has been for so fucking long, and I don't know what else to do. I've tried so many things. I've volunteered. Fuck! Fuck! I, I, I won't tell. I won't tell. You're okay. Keep going. Dylan gently places his hand over Dunes and breathes with him. I've volunteered so much. And worked and learned to quell my anger and not say fuck so much and all it's done is make me feel worse. I don't feel like me. I, I feel like a shell of me. Like I'm not me. Like I'm not fun anymore. So I don't really want to hang out with my friends and with like you. Not because I don't want to but because I just don't have it in me to pretend like nothing's wrong. And I like the orange lore, and I'm so scared that this is going to make folks afraid of them all. And, and I think I'm getting to be, and that's so, so sad. And Orville's gone. He is, was uh, one of the lore, and, and it's my fault. Yeah, I hear you. I'm sorry. 
That is heavy. Yeah. How are you? Ooh. Hmm. I feel bored, I think. I love working for Terra, but I miss my friends, too. And I'm just struggling to stay motivated to be better and work towards something, and I feel stuck. Really? Really. And to be honest, I know Willow has also been struggling a lot. And Agnes and Tara. Something is going on there that I'm a little worried about, but she doesn't talk. It's like everyone is being attacked every second of every day. What is happening? Dylan shrugs. Life, I guess? Then life sucks! Yet, despite it all, you don't. Neither do you. They watch over the territory below them. As the sky darkens, we see Lyoth Hall. A blue light passes through the windows once again, like a sorrowful ghost. I wonder who's home. I hope everyone's okay, but Ellie is okay. Ella and Mikhail can't see them. Onyx wouldn't hurt them. And Ellie's so badass, she'll be okay. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, honestly, we're surrounded by food and fresh water. There's a toilet in there. I think we're good for a hot sec. We'll wait here till it's safe. But that's what. But you'll miss CNC. And I'll be with you, Anastase. <laughs> Sarah? <laughs> I was going to have Anastase gain inspiration every time they give head. I'd be drowning in inspo. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> you, you do? Uh, yeah, I do. Great. And together they sit. Tara's taxi driver was not too thrilled to be driving directly back to where she had just picked Tara up from. But she is appeased by the massive wad of cash Tara lightly tosses into the front seat as she scoots out. It is evening. The sun is dipping and the clouds are dark blue with some red etching through the sunset. Tara is running. She runs up her steps colliding with a familiar face in just as much of a hurry. Tara! Oh, hey, Agnes. You're at my apartment. Weirdly? Yeah. I'm here for CNC. It's different enough from the way that I knew it, and work is at work. And even if he was here, I'm an adult, and I want to hang out with my friends, so we'll handle it. I'm proud of you. Me too. Willow saved you a spot. Did they really? Why? Well, something about friendship, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle of... There's popcorn. Of something important. And me? That is pretty nice. And but some I... other cool kids. Cool, cool kiddos. Who else? Uh, Sage, Joan, Finn, I think. And Willow, who loves you very, very much. 
Tara looks between Agnes and the apartment and Agnes again. Tara thinks about going inside just to be, just to play. Tara thinks about the forgiveness in Willow's eyes, the pining for reconnection, and she can hear how it would play out now. Tear, tear. Hey, friend, friend. She would say. I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. I was literally so mean. I didn't mean to be. I was just so Of course, stressed. life has been so much, and I, I wasn't listening I to wasn't listening needs. either. What's going on? I, I don't. This thought experiment fades. What is going on? She isn't moving. She isn't enacting this. She's just standing there, staring at the blank space between Agnes and the door. The blue lure is just etched horrifically in her mind. It's monstrous now. I know it's... I don't think it's that. Then what is it? I can't do it. I... Great day. I can't right now. That's the whole point. You don't have to. Tara flicks her eyes away from Agnes's earnest stare towards the light in her room. Oh, fuck. She forgot to turn that off. But the letter. The letter. Tara, you need to say yes just to get inside. Okay. Yay! Get in here! Get dry, friend. And Tara does. She enters the warm, low-lit, and cozy glow of her apartment and is thrust into a wall of chatter as a large group stands before her now. Yeah! Fuck service! Yeah! Yeah! Ah, so you're the attendant to all of Lyoth Hall? Yes. Wow. That's very impressive. Thank you, I am aware. Uh, Finn, was it? What do you do? Oh, uh, I guess this is a good time for a general announcement. Uh, but my name is Alexa. I would like to be called Alexa from now on. Hi, Hi Alexa. Alexa. Yeah, so I do cook for Fodale Ale, but I'm supposed to just be the bartender. It's a little hush-hush because they're understaffed and, of course, can't deal with it in a healthy way because they don't have the money for it, which I get, but being able to afford an apartment for just two folks would be the best. That is entirely understandable. What a vast skill set you hold. Thanks. Hey, Alexa. Hmm? Hey, Alexa. What? Exactly how, how many, many bitches, bitches do you think? Into a circle? <laughs> I don't know this song, but this is lovely. Tara hides away and sits on her bed. Drowning out the sound of fun and levity outside, she picks up Helga's second letter. Great day, her chest heaves for air. Take a moment to breathe, Tara. In and out, in... And out. Perhaps the great they knew I needed a journey. I thought it was to escape something vile in this place. So, I made plans to go. I packed provisions, Tara, and I left. But before facing the entity once more, and this, this moment is why I write to you now. The night I left, I did not say goodbye to the family. It wouldn't have been too many of them, anyways. Mikhail was away, Dune was at a party or something, and Eller was on an overnight shift. I had exchanged some pleasantries with Luciana in the dining room, but Logan? No. I would not speak with him. I hope he is well. I wanted to simply disappear, and I did, except for the blue entity who found me just as I was sneaking out the front door. I'm going and I'm not coming back, I said. And this blue creature cried 
the way it could. And I, oh, I told it to stop. This is your fault, I said. My leaving is a reflection on you. I left that evening, I did. And Tara, my realization after all these years, all of this solitude is this. I was, I am wrong. The lore, like any of us, learned this behavior from watching, and I mourn daily my behavior. I wonder if it has caused some shift. I had done my fair shares of research, as I'm sure you have, and there is this theory where the entities are some physical manifestation of the darkness of our souls. I think that is wrong. It couldn't be more so. Look at their vibrancy, the way their color dances and changes and shifts. They are bright, they are light. We harness our own darkness and we cast it on things we do not understand. We dull them to make easier to perceive, chipping away at their equity to us in the process. I write this because I know what it is like to be angry at a being I cannot understand. As prophets and wise women, I believe that it is our main task to learn what to do with that anger. We have been given an interesting twist and I wish to offer my door to you. It is a six days journey across the salt flats at the edge of Vallis. You will find me on the other side. I just know I need to offer an ear, an aid. I do not wish for you to writhe in bitterness the way I have. This is not the way, Tara. There is another. I wish to search for it with you. So if it all becomes too much, please come find me. Come find me instead of the alternative. Sincerely, and Helga. it ends. Abruptly, Tara lets go of the letter, allowing it to drift to the floor, and... Oh, at some point she had started to cry. These tears are cold, spontaneous, as if a release from deep, deep inside... I'm wrong again. GT, I'm mad. Yes. The rage boils, similar to all of the other rage bouts before, but this time something simmers it. Something takes it directly out of her chest and holds it out in front of her. Six days. Helga had said this, yes. Tara battles with something, but she knows. Call it a prophet thing, but Tara in this moment knows exactly what she is about to do. Okay. And Tara goes under her bed and grabs her apothecary bag. She unloads most of the bottles and paper scraps and accumulated junk from it and begins to repack it with clothes, which she rolls tightly. With socks and one other pair of shoes than the one she's wearing now. Where are you going, Tara? What does it look like? Helga never even mentions the green lore. The green lore is not the issue, and I can't in my good conscience let them be hunted down. I won't lose another friend because folks are intolerant sometimes. Friend? Acquaintance. Whatever. Oh! Tara? Uh, when did you- I'm sorry. I'll be back. I promise. I love you. And Tara runs out the front. Willow and the rest, in slightly stunned silence, look on. Where is she going? I don't know. 
Is she coming back? Weird. OMG, T, she's so mad at me. I don't think it's that. Okay. Uh, also, where the fuck is Dylan and Dune? Willow appraises their current CNC party. Joan, Agnes, Alexa, Sage. Okay. Actually, this is okay. Four of you is actually awesome. Thank you all so much. Willow, puzzled, opens the door. Ovia stands. She's picked an outfit for this occasion. It's simple to tell that she was going for a CNC aesthetic. A peasant-style top sloping from the shoulders. Her hair is in a large, large bun atop her head. Ovia? Hi. Uh, I know you were having such trouble finding folks to play your game, so I made some time. And popcorn. That's so sweet. Didn't you have, um, second job stuff tonight, though? Oh, I stepped down from that role. Oh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. I know it's it's not the same, but I've been fired before. And it wasn't a big deal. I'm, I'm better for having left. And you will be too. I think so too. Ovia looks longingly into Willow's eyes. Then over Willow's shoulder and finds four other folks standing around the massage table. They were talking, but they've gone silent now, side-eyeing these two. Oh! Joan makes direct eye contact with her sister and mouths, What the fuck? Helpless, Ovia just shrugs. Hey, oh. Hi. Hi. I see you found folks. Yes, arguably too many. (laughs) Oh, no problem. I don't really have consistent nights off anyways. This was kind of a one-time thing, so I can just drop the popcorn off and leave you to it. No, uh... Come in, please. We've got a fair share of no-shows, and we'll basically be doing paperwork, so it'll probably be really boring, but I'd love for you to join us. Well, that doesn't sound boring at all, Ovia thinks. I'd love that. Uh, where should I put this? Oh, popcorn! Thanks! And Tara steals away into the night. Can we talk about this? I have to go now. If I don't go now, I'm not going to. I am supposed to speak directly against the lore at the Territorial Hall meeting tomorrow, and I can't. I can't. I shouldn't. And I don't know how to not do that right now. It is better that I go. Please. Please believe me. Okay, but what about rent, Tara? I'll schedule automatic payments on the train. What about food? It's six days. I brought a shit ton of granola bars. Okay, but... Tara enters her office. She brings out a piece of paper from the printer and begins to write. It is addressed to Sage. Great they, Tara. You're just going to assume they'll hold your place, your territory together? They explicitly said they will help however they can for however long I need them. I need them right now. I trust them to do this for me. Tara writes some more, to the length of a full page, one-sided. She sets it on the desk. She steals away to her back office and grabs some odds and ends. Her journal, packed with drawings of the lore. A phone charger, although she has no clue what the territory on the other end is like. And she finds a clay lizard on her desk. He wears a little hat. And this stays in her hands. Tara B. 
become still as the connotations hit her now. Oh. Hello, Fuzzy Blankets. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design and mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average-folks.com. <laughs>